Welcome to Creekside. So happy to see you here. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, we just have a few announcements today. We'll be passing the offering in just a minute. But first, uh, a reminder. I, I know no one has forgotten that this week is Thanksgiving, right? Everyone has their turkeys purchased and about to defrost in the, in the fridge over the next few days. Raise your hand if Thanksgiving is your favorite holiday, all right? I, I think I could say that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. It's just, uh, there's something, something about it. It's really, it's very simple. Uh, you know, you just can focus on having a good meal, spending time with family, but it, it doesn't have all the, you know, ahead of time stress unless you're the one making the turkey. So uh, my hat's off to everyone who is making a turkey this week and hosting people. Um, that's a really big deal. But on Thanksgiving morning, Rod uh, reminded me that at 9 a.m. is the annual Creekside Turkey Bowl. That, that is for, for all ages, a touch football game. Come play touch football for, you know, an hour or two, and then, uh, you know, go home and, and get cleaned up and ready. But, you know, this way you can kind of burn off some of those calories preemptively. So uh, if you're interested, come on out, 9 a.m., Thanksgiving morning. Um, and uh, I think bring a football, too, because we need, need to make sure there's some footballs here. So let's see. Oh, and then also, while we're on the food note, today there's a potluck immediately following the service. Uh, Lucas Richard, who is our speaker this morning, will be sharing a little bit more uh, detail about their, their ministry in Africa. So uh, as long as you're here, you know, feel free to stay. Even if you didn't bring something, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of food. And so if you'd like to hear a little bit more about what Lucas and Lois have going on in Africa, stick around afterwards. So I'm going to give thanks, and then we will pass the offering. Father, we thank you uh, for what you have done. Uh, truly, you have uh, called us out of the grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. Uh, we thank you that you have given us hope and a future. Lord, as we uh, prepare for Thanksgiving this week, may you show us all the uh, thousands of ways that you uh, bless us. May you give us hearts that are thankful um, that we could, as Paul, uh, say that we can be content in all circumstances. Lord, may you bless our mourning and our worship. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Creekside Church again. It's my privilege to introduce my brother-in-law, uh, Lucas Richard, originally from uh, Cajun country in Louisiana. God got a hold of his life about eight years ago, I think it was, and uh, saved him. And after a couple of years of mentoring in his local church there, went to the mission field in Ireland for a few years, um, and then had the privilege of marrying my sister Lois. Uh, so that's our connection to him. And she joined him over there for a little while, but, uh, you know, the Lord opens and closes doors, and he closed the door to his visa being renewed in Ireland. So spent a couple years back in the States here, seeking the Lord's will, working odd, working odd jobs and working at a summer camp. And, uh, and then this past year, uh, feeling a deep burden and calling to go serve him and minister to the people of Liberia. So... Uh, We'll hear more about the work in Liberia afterwards in the potluck time, but uh, we've just asked Lucas to 
bring the word of the Lord to us this morning. And uh, Lucas, we're happy to have you here. Well, good morning. Everybody hear me okay? Is this, is this on? Okay. All right. Well, it, it really is a privilege for Lois and I to be back here. And by the way, it is a privilege for me to be married to your sister, Mark. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, it's, it's, we really are happy to be back here uh, because you guys have been such an encouragement to us. As, as our commending assembly, the love and the support that we've seen from you guys has been just incredible, and we give God the glory for that. Um, so it's, it's great to visit, and I look forward to, after, um, uh, for the potluck, and telling you a bit about Liberia and, and uh, what the Lord has us doing. It's exciting because when we were here six months ago, uh, Liberia to us was, a, was, was theory. We, uh, this, we were praying about it, and, and we didn't know all the specifics. But here we are six months later, and we've got a few specifics, and so we thank the Lord for that. This morning, though, we're going to focus on Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians in chapter 1. Um, and the reason that I, I chose to, in praying about it, chose to speak on Ephesians 1 is because this is where we're teaching uh, at, at our local church, a small group of believers that we're working with in the village Tong in Liberia, in the western Liberia. And as, as my colleague and I prayed about uh, teaching and what we should be teaching, um, he, he chose to teach through the Gospel of John. Uh, and as I prayed about it, I chose to teach the book of Ephesians. And here's why. If we take a zoomed-out view, if we look an overview, uh, or an outline, rather, of, of the book of Ephesians, what we'll find is that in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is reminding the believers of who they are in Christ. And that's a phrase he's going to use nine times throughout chapter 1, in Christ. In chapter 2, he reminds the believers of who they were without Christ. You remember it says, and you, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world and the prince of the power of the air. He introduces us in, in 2, 8, and 9 uh, to salvation by grace through faith, and then introduces us to Israel and the distinction between the church and Israel. But here's where it gets cool. In chapters 4 to 6, the Apostle Paul moves on to what we call his hortatory discourse. Chapters 1 to 3 being his expository discourse, teaching truth. Chapters 4 to 6, he's exhorting based on what he's taught in chapters 1 to 3. And, and in chapters 4 through 6, the apostle addresses almost every demographic that you can find in a local church. Isn't that cool? No matter where you read in uh, uh, the, the second half of this book, you will find a practical exhortation that applies to you, whether you're a husband, whether you're a wife, whether you're a child or a slave, uh, and whatever it might be. And so we, we, we chose to teach through the book of Ephesians because, number one, we wanted to uh, affirm uh, for the believers who they are in Christ to remind them of who they were without Christ, and then to give them the practical exhortations of chapters 4 through 6. And so uh, please join with me, uh, if you will. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, and we're, we're going to read up to uh, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy 
and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has accepted us, or has blessed us in the beloved. In verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of of his glory. Amen? And as we look at chapter 1, uh, what we find is that the Apostle Paul uh, outlines for us the, the blessings which we have in Christ. Now, I, I tend to be a little bit of a grammar Nazi when it comes to, uh, uh, to Scripture and, and how we handle it. And, and I think it's important for us to look at the wording uh, uh, here in chapter 1 after his introduction in verse 3, the apostle says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, we're going to look at, and as we go through this, I'm going to identify for you seven spiritual blessings which we have in Christ. And what I'm going to emphasize for you based on the verbiage of verse 3 is, is that these things that the apostle refers to are present possessions of the believer, of the, of the child of God. He's not speaking just of future blessings, something which we often focus on, but even now, he has blessed us with these spiritual gifts. I want you to notice uh, in verse 3 that he says, who has blessed us. Recognize that that's past tense, right? Who has blessed us? It's a present possession of the believer who is in Christ. And let's look at those spiritual blessings. Um, it says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The, the blessings that he's referring to are these temporal, are these physical blessings? Well, that's, that's an obvious answer because he says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Yeah, so that today, this morning, I'm going to preach on blessings, but, but I'm not a health, wealth, and prosperity teacher. I'm going to talk about blessings, but I'm not going to refer to money in, in that regard. But rather, the blessings which I'm going to talk about, or which the Apostle Paul talks about, are spiritual in nature. And these are blessings that you're not praying for, you're not looking and seeking out, but rather that you have received already in Christ, if indeed you are in Christ. Uh, and, and that's something that I would, I would emphasize. Uh, you keep hearing me uh, uh, say it, in Christ, and I said nine times we'll find that phrase in this chapter. 
And, and I think it's important because remember that these spiritual blessings are not an automatically given to anyone, but rather they are given to those who are, are in Christ, that is, those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and, have, and accepted Him as Savior. And so this morning, if, if you don't know whether or not you are in Christ or whether you have been born again, I want you to know very sternly that these blessings don't belong to you. However, Christ died for your sins, and if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus and ask for His forgiveness, these blessings will be applied to you. Um, so let's look at our spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Verse 4, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Spiritual blessing number one, holy and blameless. Now, uh, I can get into predestination here, but that's, I'm not going to do that because what I want to focus on is, is the blessing that we have. And here it is. In Christ, you and I stand before the Father being holy and blameless. Now, a natural question which comes to my mind is, how can I be holy and blameless before God? Because the fact is, is that the Lord knows me. He knows my heart. He knows the thoughts and intentions. Uh, uh, he knows me all the way through, and, and yet he's patient with me. I would not consider myself to be holy uh, to the truest and purest extent of that word. But again, remember that these are positional blessings. Positionally, you stand, if you are in Christ, before God without blame as one who is holy, that is set apart for God who is blameless. How can that be? How can a believer uh, uh, or how can a person stand before God being holy and blameless? And the answer to that is on the cross of Christ. Because on the cross, Christ took our sin upon himself and he died in our place for our sin. The Bible tells us that there are no, there's no one who is good, no, not one. There is none who seeks after God. There is none who is righteous. You and I are all sinners. But if our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins and rose from the dead, then we have been given His righteousness. His righteousness has been accredited, as it were, to our account. And so that when God the Father looks upon us, what He sees, as the song goes, is not us, but rather His Son who died for me. Before Christ, you are blessed with the knowledge that you are holy and blameless before Him. Isn't that an encouragement? Uh, we're told in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 1, 8, that who shall also uh, confirm you to, in, unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, this always brings me back in my mind to John chapter 6, where, where the, the, the Lord Jesus uh, tells us, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And he goes on to say, for uh, this is the will of the Father, that of all that He has given to me, I should lose none of them, but should raise them up at the last day. Brothers and sisters, uh, uh, to me, this is the most definitive argument for eternal security. Because if Christ loses you, then I want you to know that He is in disobedience to the will of the Father. Because He said, and this is the will of the Father, that of all that He has given to me, you and me, I should lose none, but should raise them up 
at the last day. Our salvation is not dependent upon ourselves, but upon Christ. And the holiness that we have, the righteousness which we have before God is not our own, but rather it is Christ that has been given to us. And therefore, you and I stand before the Lord as holy and blameless. That's spiritual blessing number one. Number two, in verse 5, he says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Spiritual blessing number two, adoption. You and I, if we are born again, have been born into the family of God. You and I are members uh, one of another, and uh, uh, we are members ultimately of Christ who is our head. You and I have been adopted as children, as sons and daughters of God, and the adoption papers were signed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul started this, uh, this, chat, this, this section by being extremely th- enthusiastic. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And as we look at these spiritual blessings, brothers and sisters, I think that our hearts should be stirred to, with the Apostle Paul, just exclaim, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has made us holy and blameless before Him in love, who has adopted us by the blood of His own Son into His own family to be His own child. Isn't that a blessing? Our third spiritual blessing, he says in verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace by which He has made us uh, or has blessed us in the Beloved. Brothers and sisters, you and I are recipients of the grace of God. And and we have been blessed in the beloved, and I think that's a reference to Christ. People have different opinions about that, but here's the point. You and I, by grace, according to uh, uh, to the purpose of God's own will, have been blessed to be a part of the body of Christ and to be a member of the body of Christ. I want to point out in verse 6 that he says, to the praise of his glorious grace. And if we back up right before that, he says, according to the purpose of his will. Let me ask you a question. We see this, according to the purpose of his will and to the praise of his glorious grace. And my question is, whose will accomplished these spiritual blessings? By whose will and whose counsel were these spiritual blessings granted to us? Was it by your own will? By your own work, your own effort? No, rather it is a gift given in grace and therefore it is to the praise of His glorious grace. To the praise of His glorious grace. And it's according to the counsel of His own will. God determined way beforehand, decided that that He would bless us in Christ with each of these spiritual blessings which we're looking at. In verse 7, we we move on to our next spiritual blessing. In Him, uh, we uh, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. 
Now, I think Mark um, asked me for a title for the sermon, and I, I, I used this uh, uh, verse to, to be kind of the title, um, according to the riches of his grace, who we are in Christ. In Christ, our spiritual blessing is this. We have redemption through his blood. Something which we will remember as we break bread and as we take that cup, we will remember the blood of Christ, the blood of a new covenant, a covenant in his blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sin. And by his own blood, that same blood that we remember every Sunday morning, he redeemed you. That word redeemed, it means to buy back. Uh, the, you know, I always think about, uh, I was in Nigeria one time, and a, an oil worker had been kidnapped uh, by Boko Haram, and they put him up for ransom. ransom. And, uh, you know, the oil company said, we wouldn't pay the ransom, and in the end, they did. And here's what happened. That oil worker who was kidnapped was redeemed. How was he redeemed? The ransom was paid. You see a parallel here? You and I were slaves to sin. We were walking in death. We, according to, to chapter 2, we were dead men walking. And what did God do? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. He made us alive together with Christ and redeemed us, purchased us back through his blood. And I, I hope that, uh, if nothing else, that this verse stands out in our minds as we break bread and as we take that cup here in a bit to remember the blood of Christ, which signed your adoption papers, by which you have made accepted, through which you are holy and blameless before him. And it's according to the riches of his grace, which he says in verse 8, he has lavished upon us. You know, the picture in my mind, I'm a very uh, a visual person, and the picture in my mind is, is of somebody who is very wealthy and has an abundance of wealth, uh, and, and out of love and generosity, uh, uh, takes that wealth and just lavishes it upon somebody. In a similar way, God, according to the riches of His grace, a, a treasure trove that never ends, according to those riches... He, he has redeemed us. Through those riches of His grace, He has made us accepted as His children. In verse 9, He says, Making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. You and I, brothers and sisters, this always uh, uh, blows my mind as I think about it. You know, Israel, uh, the Jews, were the ones whom the oracles of God were entrusted to. The Word of God, the Old Testament, was entrusted to Israel. But yet, in all their knowledge and in all their, their understanding of the law and the prophets, they did not understand what God was ultimately going to do through the Messiah. And that is that, that, that God would bring you and I, Gentiles, those who were, who were alienated from God, who were, who were strangers uh, to the commonwealth of Israel, you and I who were without God in this world and without hope, He has brought us in. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the mystery of His will. 
something which he alluded to in the Old Testament, but which we did not find out until the New Testament, that God was going to, through, through Christ's death and through Israel's rejection of Christ, he was going to bring salvation to us Gentiles and build what, we, what he calls his church, a church which is made up of believers from every tribe, nation, people, and tongue, and put them together in one body. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, I, um, I'm a dispensationalist, and I believe very sincerely in the distinction between church and Israel, and I believe that God has a specific plan for national Israel that is still yet to come. But the mystery of his will, the plan for the fullness of times, which he's referring to here, is a plan to bring you and I into his fold, a plan which ages past he developed. And he's made known to us these mysteries, Things which angels have longed to look into, you and I have been given the privilege of having understanding and knowledge and insight into this New Testament, into this Word. Isn't that a blessing? You see, at no point in history um, have so many people been indwelled with the Holy Spirit and given so much access to the Word of God. Even, even the early saints, the early believers, did not have a Bible that they could hold in their hands. They had letters which they passed around, letters which were read uh, publicly on, on a Sunday, but not something that they could necessarily take home and study and do devotions with. Brothers and sisters, we as believers have been given access to this great revelation. We've given, given insight into the knowledge and mystery of the will of God. And now, at our point in, in church history, if you will, we have the most access to resources and to the study of God's Word, and I think that's something that we should take advantage of. Because these are mysteries, these are truths which were hidden in ages past and revealed to who? To you, through the church. And that's a blessing for us. And it gives us a little bit of a... Uh, uh, um, uh, it puts a bit of a burden on us to know that we are stewards of these truths. We are heralds of these mysteries which we see fulfilled in Christ. In verse 11, again, another spiritual blessing, he says here, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Brothers and sisters, in him that is in Christ, we have been given. Notice the tense here. This is past tense. We have been given. You currently possess a promised inheritance. We're told uh, um, in, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, in verses 3 to 4, it says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. He has granted to us his precious and very great promises. One of those promises is, is this inheritance in verse 11. 
in him, we have been given an inheritance. And I believe that this refers to ultimately uh, uh, the, the culmination of all things where, where Christ uh, uh, returns to the earth and he sets up his millennial kingdom. We're told that we will come back with him and rule with him. And then we're told that we'll pass into eternity following the millennial reign. And when we pass into eternity, we will see firsthand the inheritance which has been given us already. That inheritance ultimately is an eternity with God in the presence of Jesus Christ. An inheritance which gives us great hope because in Christ we have received a great promise. A promise of a world to come, a promise of eternal life, a promise of, of the destruction of this corrupted and sinful earth and ultimately the promise of a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell, where God will dwell in the midst of his people, where he'll wipe every tear from every eye, where there'll be no more death, no more crying, no more suffering. Brothers and sisters, that's waiting for us. And just in case you had any doubts about whether or not you would actually receive that promise or that inheritance, if you have any doubts about whether or not you're doing enough to keep that inheritance or to keep that, that promise, the apostle encourages us here. In verse 13, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Who is what? The guarantee of our inheritance. In case there was any doubt as to the promises of God, uh, any doubt about uh, uh, his, his faithfulness to keep His promises, or any doubt about your faithfulness to, to, to earn and receive and to hold on to these things, in case there was any doubt in your mind, I want you to know that this is a, something that has been given to us by grace and something which cannot be taken from us. And the guarantee of that, the promise, the thing which, which you have to hold on to, it says here, you have received the promised Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit serves as a guarantee of your inheritance. Until, as it says in verse 14, we acquire possession of it to the praise of of His glory. Isn't that wonderful? All that you and I have to look forward to, the hope which we have in Christ according to the riches of His grace which He has lavished upon us, you and I presently possess each of these spiritual blessings. You are holy and blameless before Him. You are adopted as a child of, of God. You are accepted in Christ uh, uh, ultimately, you are redeemed through His blood. You have been given knowledge and insight into the mysteries of God. Uh, ultimately, you have obtained an inheritance. And that inheritance has been sealed and guaranteed to you by the Holy Spirit whom God gave you the moment you were born again. Amen? Amen? With all these things in mind, each of these spiritual blessings which we, we, we have in Christ, I want us to go back to, to the Apostle Paul and say with him, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has 
blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And as I said, if you this morning are in Christ, if your faith and trust is in Christ alone to save you, then these things belong to you. Amen? And then he, he moves in, in in verse 15, and we'll, we'll close with this. And he says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. You know, the Apostle Paul heard about the saints in Ephesus. He heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus, and he heard of their love toward all the saints. And I notice that there's a pattern with the Apostle Paul in this, that, that this is something which causes him to give glory and thanks to God, ceaseless. And those two things were faith and love, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love toward all the saints. And I think that the reason for that is that this is evidence to the Apostle Paul of the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit whom they had been sealed with. And those fruits which he saw, their faith and their love, you know, John 13, 35, by this the world will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. When he heard that, it gave him cause to glorify God and to thank the Lord for the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit which the believers have received in Christ. And then he, he, he gives us his prayer. He tells us how he's praying for these saints. And this is, this is the way that I'm going to close in prayer. And I'll pray the same thing for us. And let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory, we pray, Lord, as the Apostle prayed for the believers in Ephesus, that you would give to us believers as saints here a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, that having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we may know what is the hope to which he, you have called us and what are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power of your power toward us who believe. We thank you, Father, that you have brought us into your fold, into the family of God. We thank you that you sent forth your Son, the Messiah, who would, who would die on the cross for our sins, who would take the wrath of God against our sins upon himself and through his blood redeem us. We thank you, Father, that you purposed in ages past that you would make us to be holy and blameless before you. That in love you predestined us to adoption as your children. You have made us accepted in the beloved. That you have redeemed us in Christ through his blood. And that you have given us an inheritance and a promise. A guarantee of that inheritance which is the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So Father, as we, um, as we contemplate these spiritual blessings which you have given us in Christ... I pray that you would stir our hearts to worship and to say with the Apostle Paul, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give you glory, Father, as we close and we pray in Jesus' name.
Now we are going to uh, take a few minutes to take the bread and the cup together. If you're a believer in Christ, um, this meal is for you. You know, later in this week, we're going to gather around uh, probably some really big spreads uh, and, and be thankful. But today we're, we're around a, a very simpler table. Um, and yet this is what Jesus called us to do. So we do it every week to remember uh, the sacrifice that he made for us. And as we think about the ways that we are blessed in Christ... Uh, we also remember that in order for us to be blessed, Christ had to become a curse for us. And that's what it says in Galatians 3.13, that he was cursed on our behalf. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And so we remember that he was cursed for us so that we could become blessed, so that we might be called the sons and daughters of God, that we might be coming to this unbelievable inheritance. So... Uh, as we sing the, the next couple songs, uh, we invite you to come up to the table if you have put your trust in Christ. If not, uh, just observe and examine yourself to say, you know, why have, not, why have I not put my trust in Christ and accepted the gift that he has given? Whoa. 